Um, I want to ask you, uh, before we get started, to stand to your feet. Oh, stand to your feet. Will you lift your hands to heaven? Come on, just begin to bless the name of the Lord. He is holy. He is worthy. Come on, I can't do this for you. We're grabbing our manna this morning. Just bless his name. Holy, holy, holy. Holy is the Lord. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Jesus, this meeting is only a success if you come. Lord, as the preachers of old used to say, hide me behind the cross. Hide me behind the cross, Jesus. Let it be your words that come this morning. We love you, Jesus. You are holy. You are holy and there is none like you. The strong angel said, I've searched heaven and I've searched earth and I've searched below and there is none worthy. But behold the Lamb of God. And so, Jesus, we turn our hearts to you. We're open, Jesus. We're open. We're open. Have your way. Lord, you say your finger inscribes the the law of the Lord on our hearts. So our hearts are open, Jesus. Have your way. Lord, let it be said of this house, if you strip everything away, we still love you. Lord, that even even though we have the best drummer in the state of Ohio, if he's not playing, we'll still run and dance in your presence. Jesus, we're not led by our emotions. We're led by the Spirit. Oh, we love you, Jesus. Father, let this be an upper room meeting. I ask that the building would literally shake with your glory. With your glory, Jesus. We love you. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your word that is holy. We thank you for your word that is alive and active. And it's a double-edged sword, God. We thank you. We thank you, God, that we don't serve a dead religion passed down through the generations. This isn't Greek mythology, but God, that you are alive and you are actively speaking and you are actively drawing us near Jesus. So we just surrender. We say yes and amen to your plans this morning. Have your way, oh God. Come on, before we start, just say have your way. Have your way. We love you, Jesus. Tell him you love him. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. I believe that um, it's so vital to prepare our hearts to receive the word. I'm not going to be as extreme as some. I was at a meeting and Pickerington and the pastor got up and he said, I don't want anybody to move. And he said, because the word's holy and you're going to show honor and reverence to the word when it's brought forth. I told Corey this morning, I said, I feel like I'm going to explode. And he said, well, (laughs) how many of you love Corey? Amen. He looks at me and said, oh, did you drink too much coffee this morning? I said, no, Corey, spiritually, I'm going to explode. But I love you, man. It's, uh, and so listen, this morning I have a lot on my heart. I come to you with a heavy heart. And I'm not just saying that. We are in a very, very significant time in the earth. And I don't take it lightly. And so this morning, yeah, our pastor has been preaching amazing messages on the foundation. And... Uh, 
you know, I'm not, I, I don't, I said, Lord, I, I want to honor the house. What are you saying? What are you doing? I don't need to come up and, and preach a message. As a matter of fact, I'm sorry, I have nothing to say to you. We've had the greatest communicators on the, on, on the planet walk in the United States of America and, and, and communicate messages. And I'm not just saying this, that will be better than I'll ever be able to communicate with you. And that's just the truth. That, that public speakers are good at communicating the message they have. And so I don't have anything to say. I, I told um, a group on Sunday night, I said, when I was immature, I used to pray for the pulpit. And now I'll never touch the pulpit without prayer. Because, Lord, I don't have anything to say. And I take it serious that one day I'll give an account for every word I ever spoke. And that every word, there, there's no time I just get to be behind the pulpit to preach for practice. For it, it, that's, that's not what we do. We're ministers of the gospel and we're claiming that the Lord Jesus, think about this, is speaking to me and giving me something to share with you. So is it fair to share what I think? If I'm going to stand and say, thus saith the Lord, but he didn't say it. I can't do that. I've been guilty of that in, in my early days of preaching. Trying to, I know all the things to get all of you on your feet. I really do in this house. I love this house. But I could preach a message and have us running. But I feel like in the hour that we're in, the Lord has just hit me. Um, I could share a couple encounters. I'm not going to get into detail with those. But the Lord has just put in my spirit that in these last days, we're going back to holy meetings. That when the church gathers corporately, it's going to be holy. And it's no longer going to be communicators giving six steps to accomplish the goals of your heart. But it's going to be. It's going to be how do we touch his heart? We're not going to preach six steps to accomplish the goals of your heart. We're going to say, God, how do we touch yours? So Daniela and I, we've been blessed to be a part of ministries that. We get to help in crusades in downtown Columbus, Corey. We go down. We're on Cleveland Avenue, the place where we ministered. A woman was shot the week before. We've done praise and worship and prayed with people. We're in Marion every week. We do a monthly event in Marion where we just walk the streets of Marion, share the gospel, pray with people. We release worship downtown. We go to Upper Sandusky. We do worship nights. Last Friday night was, oh well, yeah, two nights ago was our Friday night event. It was so powerful. The glory of God came. And as Minister Betty shared a few weeks ago, we're breaking up fallow ground because it's time to seek the Lord. And wherever we go, the message is the same. It's Jesus. See, Hebrews 1 says, in various times and in various ways in the past, he spoke to us through the prophets. But when you translate it down, it says, But in this hour, he speaks to us, son. So what's the what's the message of the father? Jesus. The father has one message. This is my beloved son. At one point on the Mount of Transfiguration, it said, listen to him. The other one say, obey him. And so these holy meetings that are coming. That's why here in the past few weeks, we've had meetings where. Pastor Roe will release you and people stay. Just soak in his presence. 
So we're coming into an hour of holy meetings where people are going to be touched, healed, delivered. That the things we see in in the scriptures are going to become a reality. And not to say, oh, I go to TGP because it's a healing ministry. Because healing won't save you. I think we need a reformation in this hour on, on the vocabulary we use. I'm tired of the prophetic movement happening. Do I believe in prophecy? Yes, but Jesus, this is the scripture. So if you don't like this, I'm sorry. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So if you're going to prophesy and it does not give the testimony that Jesus Christ is Lord, it's not a prophetic word. Sorry. And it will be tried by fire. The testimony of Jesus. We need a reformation. We need a fire of first love. First love fire that we burn for the things he burns for. And we don't care if it's not popular. We don't care if people stop coming. We don't care. We're not tending to your needs. Jesus did not go to the mount to print, to preach the sermon on the mount and say, hang on. We got to get some coffee. Anybody got coffee? My gosh, do we have muffins? Somebody get this guy a muffin. Oh, we need a ministry for that. No. I shared Friday night. I shared the gospel. I said, we've become such a watered down church. Jesus is love. He is a tender lamb, but he's also a fierce lion. And he's a jealous God. He's a mighty warrior. I feel like I'm going to explode this. Spare with me, please. And Jesus is walking and the rich young ruler comes. You're all familiar with the story. And he says, hey, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And they go through the things and he says, yeah, I've done all those commandments. I've kept them since birth. That's more than I can say. That's more than I can say. And that still wasn't it. Jesus said, sell all your possessions, give it to the poor, to the widows, the orphans, and follow me. I had a friend that's um, in seminary right now and he said he's just reading the book of Matthew time and time and time and time and time and time again. And he said they've really been emphasizing Jesus saying, basically drop what you're doing and follow me. And see, we, we tend to cater to, we leave Jesus because we say, wait a minute, the rich young ruler, we got to go back and get him. We start to compromise and say, well, Jesus, I love you, but you're not really going to leave him, are you? And Jesus still loved him. His heart broke that the rich young ruler wasn't willing, but he kept walking. He kept on with the mission. He kept going. He didn't stop and say, you know what? Let, you don't have to sell everything. Because see, the scriptures say where compromise is, their sin lies at the door. And just the smallest, smallest way of compromise can lead to the biggest fall of your life where you feel so distanced from Jesus. And you fall into a category of Timothy where you have a form of godliness but deny its power. And see, the scriptures say have nothing to do with those people. Listen, I'm not trying to beat you up. I've heard people say, man, Blaine preaches so bold and... Straight to the point and okay. But I want to tell you something. I want to tell you a little story that I was reading. I was reading a book called In the Day of Thy Power. It was written from a man in the 1950s. He grew up um, in Welsh after the Welsh revival. And 10 years later, he said you could still sense the Spirit of God hovering over certain locations. And he shares this story from the first great awakening in this book. And David Brainer was an evangelist preaching the gospel, and he runs across a Native American tribe. There were 40 men and women plus children. And um, 
He couldn't find anybody brave enough to go with him, so he hired a drunk interpreter. He was an alcoholic, but he's the only one that would be willing to go with him. And so David Brainer goes to this tribe with 40 people, and he preaches the gospel. And all of a sudden, these 40 men and women start to tear their clothes and cry out for the evil in their heart. The children were tearing their clothes, crying and rolling in the dirt because of the evil in their heart. And the interpreter said, what are you preaching? Are you preaching hellfire and brimstone? And he goes, no, I'm preaching on the goodness of God. The goodness of God will cut the flesh to the core. He's that holy. It's not hellfire and brimstone. Who would preach hellfire from a pulpit that's supposed to honor God? But the goodness of God will cut the flesh to the core. Because he is holy and we don't deserve him, but he wants us. I don't know why. I can't explain it. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. But he desires us. And so tonight, or this morning, I'm sorry, I'm used to Sunday nights. This morning, we're going to jump in. We're going we're to talk about surrender. Holy surrender. I want you to know before we get started, these altars are open. You don't have to wait for the altar call. I really feel that it's a time to lay at his feet. So if at any point while I'm speaking, you feel the Lord tugging on you, you get up here. Don't worry about what I'm saying. You get up here. Heidi Baker ministered this message that I've been listening to on repeat. And she said, the hour that we're in, the only way to stand firm is to lay at the feet of Jesus and quit bargaining with God. So this morning, I feel like we're going to quit bargaining. We're going to quit compromising and we're going to come to a holy surrender. As Pastor Rowe has been sharing on foundation, I felt in my spirit. Pastor Rowe and I spent all day on the golf course one day. (laughs) I'm going to tell you the first holes, the first nine holes were really good. The second nine, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But I knew he was going to ask me to speak. Um, and so we ask, and, and so I started asking the Lord, what do you want me to share? And there's so much I could share on this morning. There's so much. I, I had a, a lot I've been teaching on and, and different things of that nature, but I felt him say, I, I want you to take your Sunday, and I want you to be an addition to what Pastor Rowe has been sharing on. And Pastor Rowe has been sharing on the core simple message of your foundation is Jesus That's it. That's simple. But what the Lord put in my spirit is for some of us, we have to get a fresh revelation of who Jesus is. Because we're hearing this message, but the spirit of confusion has come in and said, well, yeah, you've made Jesus your foundation, but it's not the Jesus of the scriptures. It's the Jesus of your life that you've made that's made it easier for you and made it more comfortable for you and and hasn't challenged you, and, and it's been easier so you can just settle with, this is Jesus, and he's all love. Yes, he is, but you can't define his love to the worldly love. But we like to do that in this hour and say, well, well that love wouldn't say that to me, or do that to me, or ask me to give that up. So now I define Jesus through the worldly definition of love, and I call that Jesus, and I stand on that foundation. And then when waves come, I wonder why my foundation is sinking and, and failing. And then I look and say, I don't know that I believe Pastor Rowe, and are the scriptures true? But you're not getting, he's saying, Jesus Christ of the scriptures. 
the Jewish man that set aside divinity. He didn't quit being divine. He set it aside so he could take on humanity and come to earth. That man that knew no sin, that Jesus of the scriptures is to be our foundation and the chief cornerstone. And so this morning, I want to I want to just give a fresh revelation on this. Jesus, is that okay? Amen. So you can open the scriptures to Matthew chapter 16. We'll start at verse 23. I want to tell you a story first. Matthew chapter 16. You ever had any concrete poured? Anybody build anything? Yeah. Well, I lived in Upper Sandusky is where I lived growing up. And we had this guy loving to death. Very, 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 very rough around the edges. He had a nickname like a good old boy, like Hound Dog or something like that. He was known as the best concrete pourer around. Brutally honest, says what's on his mind. Always have a big old wad of tobacco in his mouth. But he's the greatest concrete man around, right? So he come to pour our concrete. And uh, I used to work for my dad at that point, And we were pouring the concrete for the shop. And, you know, we'd run bulldozers and excavators on this concrete and logging equipment. So this concrete had to be tough. It had to be able to withstand what was going to be run on it. And so if you don't know my dad, my dad's kind of a tightwad, right? He's always trying to get the best deal he can. He's not going to let anybody get one over on him, right? He's going to get the best price he can. And so he's wheeling and dealing with this, with this hound dog, you know, and he's just over there just wheeling and, and he goes, come on, let's do it. We can do it cheaper than that. And they're bickering back and forth. And finally, he, the, the, the concrete man throws his hands up and he goes, listen, if you want a terrible job with no foundation that won't last, I'm not your guy. You're trying to be like this young generation that thinks they know everything and this and that. And they try to get by as fast as they can and as quick as they can. So it's convenient for them. And you try to cut corners. And what happens is your concrete's not going to last two generations and it's going to break down. Blaine's going to be, I'm not going to say what he said. When Blaine takes over the business and is running the equipment on it and it breaks down, he's going to be saying great things about you because you wouldn't spend the money. You wouldn't, you weren't willing to pay the cost to have a solid concrete with the rebar tying it on on a good foundation with the materials needed and the rebar to tie it together and the fibers in the concrete. And this guy used to say, when I get done pouring your concrete before I trial it, it'll look like it needs a haircut with that much fiber. But he goes, there'll be nobody be able to break it apart. And so I share that not because of this young generation. I'm going to, I'm going to add something to this story. There was a very significant night in America. And when these, when we heard the news of what had happened this night, I, I started to just cry, and I'm not a crier. I said, Lord, what are you doing? I never thought this would happen. Why are these the results? Why, why, why? What is going on? And the Lord spoke this to me. I was in the youth room. I was still the youth pastor at the time. And we were in worship, and the Lord, I just started to sob, and the Lord said, Blaine, I hear a, a generation receiving their inheritance. I said, what do you mean in this significant night of America? And he said, because I've not been the foundation. Now I, now I, I ask for clarity. And he, he started to reveal, because I have not been the foundation. This is not the generation now's problem. See, the scriptures say a wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. And what we're seeing is not a sudden thing that just happened. It's been passed down to the generations. Compromise started with one generation. 
And then all of a sudden, this generation is trying to write off what the religion that their mom and dad had, but it's, it's not quite all there. And then this generation that we see now is saying, I don't like what grandpa had, and I don't like what dad had, so I'm not going to have any of it. You get what I'm saying? And, and the Lord's saying, no, no, this isn't just a sudden thing. I hear the cries of receiving the inheritance. And so I believe that this message of foundation, I believe this message that I'm going to share with you today, this morning and, and this holy surrender, this message of the real Jesus and the cross is something that's going to echo through the remaining generations that is going to awaken the end time bride to love. That is going to awaken them and say, I never knew a love like this. And so we're going to look at Matthew 16. Matthew 16. This is a story of Jesus predicting his death. And verse 23. I'll read verse 22. I'm in the New King James Version. Then Peter took Jesus aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God but the things of men. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Verse 26, for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? See, <laughs> I wanna, you could stay there. I'm going to read this scripture to you. First Corinthians 3.11 says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Verse 13 says this, Each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it. Friends, we're in the daytime. We're children of the day. And the work that we've laid and the foundations we're standing on have been revealed through a year like 2020, the times before, the generations leading up. Everything's been shaken. And we've seen every foundation for what it really is. We are, it's, it's daytime. We are children of the day. And the Lord is revealing our foundations that we're standing on. And he's not rebuking you because he's a mean God. As a matter of fact, in John 14 through 17, what we call the upper room discourse, um, Jesus pastorally pastoring the disciples. He is walking with them and he's saying, I love you, so I'm going to prune you. Because I love you, there's things I'm going to have to correct you on. There's things I'm going to point out that might hurt right now, but I'm doing it because I love you. And so the foundations have been shaken. And I believe in this hour that the Lord is saying, Now, there's a scripture, and and I believe it's Romans, it said, it's time to awake because our salvation is nearer than when we began. And friends, the hour that we're in, Jesus looked at the religious leaders and he said, you're so foolish. You can look up in the sky and say it's going to rain and say, oh, a storm's coming, but you cannot discern the hour that we're in. And the end times is not a scary thing for believers. Right? Right? We should rejoice because our Savior is coming. But we should be alert to say, oh my goodness, it's time to get off the bench. Because I'm secure. But if I truly love like, the, like I say I love, 
If I truly am abiding in the love of the Father, my heart's going to be moved to say, it's getting real late, the Lord's going to come. He's coming home. I'm going to go out and I'm going to share the gospel. I'm going to minister. I'm going to drop everything that I'm doing. I'm going to deny anything of my own flesh, of my own desire. And I'm all in because I sense the hour we're in. And I know I have a mansion on a hill waiting for me. But my neighbor might not. And am I going to sit by and say, hey, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing it'll be. But just be fine with my city perishing. If you're truly in love with Jesus and desire the presence of Jesus, your city will be impacted by that. Whether they accept it or not, that's not your decision. But are you doing it? Or are you saying, well, boy, I see the culture. I see the climate we're in. And I think I'm just going to stay here. Or I'm going to wait. Or I'm going to try to, uh, you know, conform and, and, and be half this and half that. The Lord's saying, no, it's time to awake and be all in. It's time. It is time, the hour, it's time that our message changes. We're not trying to get people in the building to say, come, and we have all these activities and be busy. It's saying, come, why? The Lord is here. I don't know what's been passed down to you in the past, but when you come up in this house or in my house, it is a dwelling place for the Lord. And my life, listen, my life, Daniela and I have made this our life, is saying our mouth will build God a throne and build Him an altar. So that everywhere we go, when we open our mouth, we're building Him a throne to sit on and an altar for us to lay on. Because we see the hour and we're saying there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can start to say, come and let us entertain you. We have to say, it is the gospel. The time is getting late. There is healing for your soul. You have a Savior that loves you. There's a new identity. You don't have to be bound in your brokenness. And if they say no, we're not going to conform and say, well, okay, like this and that. No, we're like, no, you can accept Jesus. It's Jesus. We, Bailey and I and, and the team, we were out ministering and doing street ministry. And it's so hard. Actually, it was Kevin and I this time. And we were underneath a bridge. And we were preaching the gospel to this guy and, and praying for him and praying for him. And I said, you need to accept Jesus. Well, I don't know if I believe in religion. I'm like, it's not religion. Meet a man. See, when he's my foundation, I don't have to pray these prayers. And I'm sorry if I'm stepping on your toes. I hate when we pray for healing. We're like, God, if it's your will, heal him. I'm sorry, but that's his will is to heal. I, 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 can't, I can't hide my unbelief on if it's your will. I'm sorry. But I look at Jesus. And he walked up to a, a lame man and just said, get up. Get up. Your sins are forgiven. And I believe that seeing the things that Jesus did in our own life starts with having a firm foundation to stand on. A firm foundation to stand on. The man Christ Jesus. The man of the scriptures. When we go downtown and when we worship, I believe we have some of the greatest musicians in the state. That's why Columbus is calling all the time. Corey, Danny, we need you to come down. I need you to come down. And the group we run with, they're calling and let's go here this weekend and here that weekend. But I said, we're not here to perform. We're here to present, build a throne so Jesus can sit on it. That he can become the chief cornerstone of this city. 
No other foundation can be laid. Romans 10.2 paints, I believe, where we're at so excellently, excellent. It paints it so, so clearly. They have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. So they have a zeal for the things that interest them, a things, things that are comfortable for them, but it's not according to the Scriptures. Some people I know are waiting on the next prophetic word. Oh, if I could just get Abigail to lay hands on me and give me a word. She hears the Lord. If I could just get her to give me a word. If I could just get Jim and Tammy to pray over me, everything will be great. If I could just get a word. Here's a prophetic word. Read it from front to back. It's the best prophetic word you'll ever get. I'm not against prophecy, but it will not save you. Prophecy cannot be your foundation. It's time. I hear the Lord right now saying it's time to return to the ancient paths. And Jeremiah talked about the ancient paths of our beginning of the book of Acts. We can't say, oh, we want a book of Acts upper room experience and just be Pentecostal for the sake of the denominational name. Listen, I'm all for running and dancing, but we don't do it because we just that's who we are. You get what I'm saying? Like we can't have religious ways. We can't have other foundations. We can't have fake Jesuses be our foundation. He said in the end time, deception is going to be rampant. And there's going to be many come in my name. I believe there are many houses with crosses on them that are not preaching the gospel. I'm just being an evangelist here to you this morning. I'm just bringing the message of the gospel. I believe there are people that wear crosses on their neck but have not bore their own cross. And I believe Jesus is saying this morning, like that old concrete pour. He's saying, listen, don't cut corners. Don't cut corners. Don't cut corners. Because there's going to be some heavy equipment try to run over your foundation. There's going to be some heavy storms. And if you cut corners, your foundation will collapse. And you'll look and say, see, this religion thing didn't work for me. It's time that we get a fresh revelation of the man Christ Jesus. And that's who we carry. The scriptures say we were baptized in him, that we put on Christ Jesus. That's not representing something else. No, you literally put on Christ Jesus. Like the prophet Gideon, he was put on like a glove. So how does all this start? How does our heart burn in first love? How is our message of our life, son? Out of the overflow of your heart, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus come from the bosom of the Father. So he was the heart of God, was Jesus. So how do we do that? Well, Romans 16 says it so perfectly. Matthew 16, I'm sorry. Did I say Romans 16? I'm so sorry. Matthew 16. See, Holy Spirit's like, Blaine, get it together. Matthew 16 puts it so perfectly. I'm just helping you with sword drills. Helping you learn your Bible. See, Peter, I love Peter because he represents us so well. I I upset a lot of people when I speak and I don't want to, I really don't, but I love, I love that people say, what's my calling? What's my purpose? They're not necessarily wrong. There is a calling over your life. But I believe we've created a generation that's more worried about what I'm supposed to do than who they're supposed to be. What's my calling? See, I used to be like that. God, I'm called. I need the pulpit. 
I'm going to be an Instagram preacher. I'm going to have a blue check mark. And my salvation became about me. What am I going to do? What am I going to be? What's my calling? Am I apostle? Am I prophet? Am I evangelist? Am I teacher? And then we've come up with this weird thing called an influencer. Where's that in the fivefold? Where's influencer in the fivefold? It's not there. That's not being on a foundation called Christ Jesus. Influencer is a politician. When he comes and holds a rally and influences you to vote a certain way. That's not Jesus. He said you are either an apostle, a prophet, a pastor, an evangelist, or a teacher. See, we, we worry about this. We're like, we're like Peter. We're like, oh, no, no, Jesus, you can't do that. I can't preach this message. It doesn't take all of that. I can't tell people to bear their cross. I can't do this. I can't do that. And, and Jesus is saying, he doesn't just say, well, Peter, let, let's talk. So let's create a message that's fitting, that, the, that Instagram will like, that will draw people, that will still kind of be Christian. Let's, let's do this. No, he said, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. And see, I'm like, God, well then if I'm not called to be a preacher, what am I called to be? Because now my whole identity's collapsed. Because my foundation was, I'm a preacher for the gospel. I'm a preacher for the gospel. And my, my foundation collapsed, and I went through one of the toughest seasons of my life. Because preacher couldn't sustain me. Preacher couldn't save me. Maybe you're saying, maybe I'm just a called to the marketplace. Well, that's great, but that's not your only calling. We worry about what we're supposed to do before we worry about who we are. And see, 1 Corinthians said you're called into fellowship. He said you're called a holy saint, and you're called into holy fellowship. You translate that down, that's my favorite word. What is it? Intimacy. Okay, you guys forgot what I preach on all the time. Forgot me already. Intimacy. You're called into intimacy. And I don't know about you, but I love my wife. Hope this doesn't get too gruesome for you. But we're not intimate in public. That might be what you call pornography. Only getting up and saying you're a Christian on Sunday morning. Only doing it for a show. We call that pornography. But intimacy happens in the private places and in the secret place and and behind closed doors. That's where I get to know Daniela and she gets to know me and I get to love her and she gets to love me and we become one. See, intimacy with Jesus, when we answer the call into fellowship, it's not just a Sunday morning thing. As Miss Vicky prayed this morning, it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And when I'm with him, then I have something to say. And I'm carrying something. So I don't have a form of godliness with this foundation and then that foundation. It's I'm intimate with the man Christ Jesus. And he speaks to me. So now I be, I'm not just standing on him. I start to look like him. And I'm not passing down a dead religion that, that fades away through the generations. I'm only saying what I hear the Father saying. I'm only doing what I see the Father doing. See, all of the things Jesus did. He said, you'll do greater. But it starts with this core thing of, I, I've been saved. I've bore my cross. I'm standing on a foundation. And now I start to build my life and become the holy temple, the holy dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. See, I'm going to share this and then I'm going to keep going. I've got a little bit of time left. I haven't even got to my message, but I'm going to, I promise. I need a sweet talk, row. if he ever lets me speak again. See if I can get a couple Sundays in a row. See, I think there needs to be a reformation even on the word saved. What it means to be saved. 
Jesus said to Peter when he was worried about what, what fit him the best. Jesus, the, the Messiah can't look this way. It can't sound this way. You can't die on the cross. I, I forbid it. I rebuke you. And you know, we don't just out and out rebuke Jesus, but our disobedience. Daniel Kalinda said, your half measure is more dangerous than your full obedience. Did you hear that? Your full surrender, bringing damage to the dominion of darkness. That's awesome. But it's more dangerous if you live in a half measure. Peter was living in a half measure. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You're not mindful of the things of the kingdom. You're not mindful of the things of God, but only the things of men. So verse 24, Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? I'm going to walk through this just a little bit. When he says deny oneself, that doesn't mean I deny myself only when I feel like it. Only here and there. I love the Passion Translation when it translates some of these scriptures over in Romans and it says it's hard for a dead thing to keep sinning. So when you bear your cross. He says, if you desire to come after me, let him deny himself. This word deny is to lose oneself, to lose interest in yourself. And get this, you have no acquaintance or connection with the old. So Daniela and I, we, we have a lot of friends that we, that we know from Columbus to Upper and, and different states and different countries. You know, that sounds pretty cool. You know, we're Blaine and Danny going international. And, and so... There are people that we're friends with. Kevin and Darcy, we hang out, we go bowling, we hang out, we do things like that. Multiple people, we, we hang out. But there are people that they're just more acquaintances. You know, I'm friendly once in a while when I see them, but I'm not going to call them and tell them the greatest and latest news. Right? We all have those acquaintances. But he's saying, no, 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 that's not, that's a worldly thing. He's saying, when you deny yourself, you have no acquaintance with the old. No connection, no ties. It doesn't matter what you've done in the past, who you were with. When you deny yourself, the old is gone. And the Passion Translation translates it over that says, a dead thing can no longer live, can no longer sin, can no longer be. Because if you deny yourself, it's went to the cross, so it's dead. So he's saying, first thing. He's saying, first things first, if you want me to be your, first, your firm foundation, if you want me to be your life, your identity, your one true love, your first love, and you want to come after me, you first have to deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. He didn't say, follow me with your lukewarmness. He didn't say, you know what? You're not comfortable being up here, so I'm going I'm to meet your needs. You can hang out at the back. Do what fits you. Go at your own pace. I realize sanctification and holiness is a process and is something you walk out. But many times we create excuses to stay stuck and say, I'm at my own pace. I'm at my own pace. You can't judge me. I'm going to quit going to that church because he judged me. Did he judge you or did the spirit of offense whisper in your ear and you yielded to it? So he's saying you have to deny yourself Pick up your cross first and foremost. Before you can live in the resurrected body, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. But the scriptures say, here's how you pray, on earth as it is in heaven. So that place he prepared for you on the other side of this age, that new body that he created for you on the other side of this age, you can have access to that 
on this side of eternity. But he said, first, you deny yourself and you take up your cross. All the desires of the flesh have to die. No half measure, no half in, half out. I'm going to keep this sin in eyes distance. Well, I can't do all of that. I love that one. It doesn't take all of that. I'm like, you're right. It doesn't take what the scriptures say. Okay. So what Jesus do you believe in again? He says, this is the words of Jesus. He said, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and then follow me. And he didn't say follow at your own pace. He didn't say follow when you feel like it. He didn't say you can stand on this foundation on Sundays and only when it's tough. But when it's good, you can walk around, find other places. He said, you have to follow me. You have to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Then he says, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. I want to look at this for a minute. The word saved here is sozo. Saved, healed, delivered. Simplest form. You're saved to something and you're saved from something. Is is another idea of saved. But this saved is sozo. So you're saved, healed, and delivered. And the problem is, we deny Christ's healing power when we don't deny ourselves and take up our cross. So we say, oh yeah, pastor preached a message on healing. I came up to the altar. Maybe I got instant healing. Maybe I got a word. Maybe my healing's going to come the next day. But because I'm not sure and because I don't have a firm foundation, because I don't have faith, you know the people that aren't saved have faith too, right? The woman with the issue of blood wasn't saved, but she had faith to say, if I can touch the hem of his garment. And without these things, we walk away and we're saying, okay, I hear Jesus can save, save, heal, delivered, but, but I'm, I'm half in and I haven't denied myself, so I'm still saying, well, God, if you don't heal me, there's medication for that. If you don't heal me, I have counseling next week. If you don't heal me, maybe I can go to the bar just one more time because it's just the way I cope. Maybe I can just have a case of beer in the fridge because nobody else knows and this and that. Or maybe I could smoke this or maybe I can watch this. But it's just my way of coping. No, you haven't denied yourself. You're still living with one foot in the grave, one foot on the land. You're still, you're still finding your comfort zone that you can live in. And I'm telling you, little compromises here and there, all of a sudden sin has an open door to walk into your life. And the next thing you know, you say, how did I get in this place? My foundation that I've built is just collapsed. So he's saying, for those who desire to save their life, to find a way to heal, deliver, to find a way to cope, you're going to lose it. You're going to have a mental breakdown. You're going to have anxiety. You're going to have depression because you're trying to do it on your own strength. But he said, listen, when you deny yourself and pick up your cross and you lose your life and say, God, I'm done with this world. I'm done with its ways. Now, I've tried everything. Guys, listen, I wasn't always saved. I, I have a history. I've tried it all. I've tried it all. Mostly all, not all all. (laughs) But I've tried a lot that I'm not proud of. And when I was half in, half out, called, thought my calling, thought my identity, my foundation was a pastor, I still collapsed. But it was a place where I said, God, why is it that, that since I repeated a prayer and since I've preached and since I've done these things that that I'm still like desiring the things of the world and I'm still struggling in these different things and he said you haven't taken up your cross you're worried about preaching you're worried about the pulpit and I'm sorry that 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 when that's your focus it will not save you and it will leave you as an orphan but when you call upon my my name and you bear your cross I it will be no longer you who live but I who live in you and I'll be the firm foundation you stand on and I will never leave you as an orphan and you will never go without when you say Jesus 
I, accept, I take on my cross. Take away my sin. Come into my heart. I, dine with me and I'll dine with you, Jesus. I've tried it all. Be my firm foundation. It was then that he actually gave me an identity. Give me a foundation. Give me a purpose. And it was son. You know, I used to think, man, I, I, what the church I was in before I came here, a lot of similarities in doctrine, but a lot of differences. And uh, I thought this church was cool because, well, maybe the evidence is speaking in tongues. I've never heard anybody speak in tongues before. But before I got here, I was like, whoa, what is that? That's cool. Right? I'm like, that is cool. I want that, you know. And I thought, well, maybe maybe that one doctrine of teaching is right. That's the, that's the you know, the the evidence of inward filling of the Holy Spirit. But the Lord's like, no, that's not it. See, when, as Rose been saying, when I'm your foundation and you've denied yourself and taken up your cross, you get this thing that you get, I heard Benny Hinn teach it this way, you get covered in the blood and the Holy Spirit's like a magnet to the blood. Sees you covered, boom. And the Holy Spirit breathes on you with life. And that first initial filling of the Holy Spirit, that inward that Hannah spoke about, that's biblical. Jesus walked in and breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That was before the book of Acts. And what happens is then it says, the Spirit cries out from within you, Abba, Father. So as you're standing on this foundation, your answer to everything you cross, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Jesus, how do I handle COVID? Abba, Father. How do I handle my child? Abba, Father. How do I handle the, the, the trials that we've went through in the past six months? Abba, Father. See, Daniela and I had a really hard season that we walked through as a married couple. Went through something I would wish on nobody. And it had the chance to tear us apart. And we were heartbroken and we were sad. God, we've seen you move in power. We've seen the lame get out of the wheelchair. We've seen the healing. We've seen these things. But God, so we had a chance. The season came and we said, are we going to stand on the firm foundation and believe he is who he says he is? Are we going to keep denying ourselves? Are we going to use this season as an excuse to step off and say, I couldn't handle it anymore? But when we stood on that firm foundation and said, this hurts, this stinks, He became comforter to us. See, we knew him in power, but we didn't know him as comforter. And when that season came, when most people are what James called like the wave of a sea tossed to and fro, most people step off of their foundation and say, God, if you're good, why did this thing happen to us? Most people collapse at that moment, and we wanted to. There were times that it was tough. But we said, no, we're standing on this. We've denied ourselves. So Holy Spirit, how do we go through this? And he came as comforter. And he comforted us. Why do I share this with you? Because this foundation, this cross, this new identity of denying yourself is good in every season, in every trial, in everything you walk through. It is good. It does not lose its power. It does not become void. It doesn't say, whoa, I didn't see that coming. Pick up your old self because I don't know how to deal with that. He said, no, I'm your foundation. Build on this season. Have a room that you build on to say, no, I went through a season and I know him as comforter. So now I'm not living from concepts. I'm living from experience. And I say, man, this foundation, I don't just acknowledge that there's a foundation. I've experienced this foundation. I know this foundation. And this foundation can be built and weather any storm that comes in life. And then the world will see this house built on a foundation that this didn't stop him. That didn't stop him. This didn't shake him. What's your secret? And it says there's a man named Christ Jesus. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You'll be 
saved. You'll be saved, set free, healed, and delivered. I ministered with a man Friday. He was molested as a young kid. And he's just so angry. Kevin and I prayed with him. And I think there was a little bit of learning disabilities there. So a lot of people write that off and say he won't be able to comprehend the power of the gospel. And we ministered to him and he got set free. Why do, why do I share that? Because this foundation is for everyone, everything. Every, it is the answer to everything. But the foundation wasn't let us heal you. It was let us introduce you to a man. To a man. My foundation. I didn't cut corners. Listen to me. Salvation is free. You hear me? Salvation is free. But building your life on the foundation cost you something. Denying yourself. People don't like to hear that, but it is the truth. Salvation is free. But to build your life on a foundation, it costs you everything. I hear the Lord saying, Compromise them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. I hear the words of Heidi Baker ringing in my head every day. No more bargaining with God. She said she didn't want to come to the United States. She wanted to stay in Mozambique where people are being persecuted and killed. And she's preaching the gospel in dirt. And on the back of two-ton old army truck, she's preaching the gospel. And they're beat up and they're spit on and they're peed on. Just like John, uh, John Wesley preaching. the Just like that. Just like the apostles. They're, they're mocked. But she said, no, God, I don't want to go to America. But he said, who are you to tell me what to do with your life? You, you were sold out a long time ago for me. Your life belongs to me. You don't call the shots. Get behind me. If you're sold out, you're sold out. You don't own yourself anymore. You belong to the Lord. And I know this is a rough hour, but guys, the hour that we're in, persecution is coming. COVID isn't the last. It's the beginning. I'm not going to get political because I don't buy into it. I said, Jesus, tell me what I need to know. But, but the hour is coming where shaking is going to happen. What happens when they start knocking on your door and saying, who's preaching the gospel in here? What happens when you preach against something they don't like? If you don't have a foundation, you'll bend the knee. The hour is coming. Listen, all the apostles, but like one were murdered, were martyred for the gospel. Like, like I'm not, I hope you don't have to face that, but would you be willing? I was at a funeral. I didn't know the guy well, but it was the Anderson family. They knew him really, really well. It's so beautiful to go to a funeral for somebody that's given their life to Jesus. And the words that kept ringing in my head is, he didn't die. He died a long time ago. He's just going on to glory. And I heard the Lord say, see you in the morning. But see, that's a foundation that cannot be shaken. We don't, we're, we're living in this Laodicean spirit of lukewarm, half in, half out. I'll, I'll volunteer at the church when it fits me. I'll do the things that are comfortable for me. A plug in here, a plug in there. I like this person. I don't. Do you think I like praying with homeless people? When we walk downtown Marion, that when you walk away, you're like, oh, did I get bed bugs? Seriously. They don't smell the best. They're always asking for money. But I'm like, Jesus, you want me to, so it's your will, not mine. If that's what you want us to do, man, I don't care about my comfort zones. I didn't want to be a pastor. I didn't want to preach. I didn't want to be an evangelist. I wanted to stay out in the woods and cut trees and nobody talked to me. But man, I got bought a long time ago at a high price. I've denied myself. I've taken up my cross. And it's not a punishment. It's not something I have to do. Here's why. It's, I, I'm not going to ask you to come and repeat a prayer. I'm going to come and ask you to meet a man. And one glance into his eyes, you say, it's my pleasure to bear my cross. It's my pleasure to deny myself. It is my pleasure, Jesus, to live for you. It's an honor. 
The hour is coming. And only those with a firm foundation are going to be able to stand. They're going to be able to stand because they've been laying at the feet of Jesus. They've been going to him to buy, as Isaiah 55 says, even though they have no money. They've been going to him for counsel, as Revelation 3 says. Guys, it's time to lose that doesn't take all of that. It's time to lose the lukewarmness. I've been praying up here when I do pre-service prayer. God, let the threshold of this building be a place that when you walk in, lukewarmness has to die. I'm seeing the hour. I see the hour that we're in. It's time. So as pastor continues on this series of foundation, I want this morning to be an opportunity to say, man, now I can apply all of pastor's teaching because I now know my foundation of the man Christ Jesus. The scriptures say, cursed is any man that hangeth on the pole. And Jesus, setting aside divinity and taking on the form of humanity, born of a virgin, walked this fa- the face of this earth, blameless, spotless, tempted in every way. Listen to me, tempted in every way. Tempted in every way, afflicted in every way. Lived blameless. And before the foundation of the world, he said, hey, dad, I'll die for him. I'll pay the debt. And so Jesus came in the form of a Jewish man, walked the face of this earth, knew no sin, sin, so he could become sin. And as the scriptures of old testify that cursed is any man that hangs on the pole, he who knew no sin became sin and hung on the pole. He knew no sin, so he became sin. And he hung to curse the curse, making it void over your life. He cursed the curse. The scriptures say he was beaten beyond recognition. That his internals were made, they were, they were seen. A crown of thorns shoved into his head. Beaten with whips with metal spikes in them. Mocked with a robe. Mocked with the sign, King of the Jews. Spit on. Denied by all that followed him. And he felt every single lash. And the scriptures say when he hung on the pole, he looked afar off. And he saw us. As he hung on the pole, cursing the curse, he looked afar off and saw Blaine. He saw Brett. saw Hannah. saw little Frankie. He saw and he said, I will... Gladly die for them. So the king of glory was put in the grave. He plundered the underworld. The scriptures say. Made a public spectacle of the enemy. Setting the captives free. Proclaiming the gospel. And on that third day he pierced through the ground. A victorious champion. And put his blood on the mercy seat of heaven. And said they're free. He who calls on the name of the Lord will be free. He set his blood on the mercy seat. Are you hearing me? He died for us. Just so he could be denied again. He who knew no sin became sin. 
paying the ransom. You are an eternal being. Hear me. You're going to spend it somewhere. The enemy did not die for you. Jesus died for you. And he's saying, listen, all I ask is that you call on my name. You deny yourself. Because deception is rampant in this hour. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Let me be your firm foundation. I have better things for you. I hear the Lord in Song of Solomon. The chamber, the love chamber is open and he's calling for his bride. Jesus, Jesus. So as we close this morning, I'm going to ask you. Maybe you've been safe for years. Maybe you feel like your fire's gone out. Maybe you say, I've never heard the gospel proclaimed like this. And I want to give him a fresh yes. I want to give him a fresh yes. Maybe I've picked my flesh up somewhere along the road and I've been living in a way that's not pleasing to him. And I want to take up my cross afresh. Maybe you're saying, I don't know if I am saved. Teens, hear me. This is for you too. Jesus says, from the mouths of babes, they'll prophesy. You are never too young ever too young to know the man Christ Jesus. So this morning, wherever you're at, I'm going to ask you to come. He says, if you acknowledge me in front of man, I'll acknowledge you in front of the Father. So it's not that you need me to lay my hands on you, but you're acknowledging something. You're saying, I am bearing my cross. The flesh can go. I'm done with it. It's always broken me. It's always left me empty anyways. I'm coming. And in front of the world, I'm going to say, yes, I'm taking up my cross. I'm denying myself. I'm all in. If that's you, I want you to come. I want you to come. I want you to come. We're going to lose our life. Miss Kuhlman is my hero in the faith. And I love Miss Kuhlman. She used to say, we're teaching a generation to die. We don't come for services. We come for funerals. Because where the old dies, the new can come. And that's what we're doing tonight. Sons and daughters are being born. Right now. Creation is groaning. Desiring to see the sons and daughters of God. Lay it down. Come on. Come. Come. You don't want to miss moments like these. You don't want to miss moments like these. Yeah, wherever you are, you can come up front. You can kneel down where you are. Come, meet a man. Meet a man. He wants to stare you in the eyes face to face. Come meet a man. Yes, Jesus.